Bibles and turn over to Joshua chapter 5. We continue reading um, and can study in the book of Joshua. One, one amazing thing about reading through a chapter or reading through a book or preaching through a book, you don't skip over anything. And so as we look at the text today, um, it's, it's, a, it's a little different and, and, and definitely we'll we look more into it in a few moments. But, um, but definitely it's, it's something that, that don't happen as much or it happens at birth for men more than anything um, than, it, than it did then, back then, eight days later. And we'll look more into that in a moment just, and we're going to actually apply it to our spiritual walk. But if you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 5, Joshua chapter 5, start reading in verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass when all the kings of Amorites were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of Canaanites were in the, by the sea, heard that the Lord have dried up the waters of Jordan from the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their hearts melted. Neither was there any spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. And at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise them again, the children of Israel, the second time. And Joshua made them sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the heel of the foreskin. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, then they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Until the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto the fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And the children whom he raised up in their stead, this, then Joshua was circumcised. For they were uncircumcised, but they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass... When they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in the place in the camp and they till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month and even in the plains of Jericho. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I praise you, Lord, to be here this morning. Lord, I ask you as we unpack this text, Lord, that my words should be your words, my thoughts, even your thoughts. And Lord, I ask you, God, as the hearers hear this, Lord, that we'd take heed to your word, we'd open our hearts to hear what you have for us this morning. We just thank you and we praise you. And these things we ask you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I tell you, we have, we have um, one child in our midst this morning that's not in children's church, and it's my grandson. And he told me the reason he was not coming because he knew how to preach and he knew how to sing, you know. And I, I thank God that kids still are getting called to preach, amen. I, I tell you, I got called to preach when I was 15, but I ran from God's call until I was 27. And, um, but, but, you know, I, I used to not like kids in church because there is children's church until I started having my own grandkids, amen. But, he, but he's going to be good. If he don't, his granddad will call him out. Amen. So I want to talk about this subject this morning, leaving the old ways for the new ways. 
This passage found the children of Israel, they just crossed over the Jordan River, and God put fear in all the other kings. He delivered them from bondage in the land of Egypt, from many miracles and wonders. He led them through a harsh wilderness, and they saw many things. He gave them with manna every day, and after they didn't want manna anymore, he gave them quail. He provided them water from a rock. He protected them from the enemies. He provided shade by day, light by night. He even allowed their clothes to last an entire time. They were wandering around in winters. Could you imagine that? I thought about that as I studied that. They, their clothes lasted forever pretty much while they were in the wilderness. And, and, I, and I wonder, you know, Brother Kent, and, and you might not wonder when you read the Bible, but I wonder about these things. So if when they do grow up, they're, they're their clothes just the next day. You, you think about teenagers, how they get them growth spurts. Like if God's going to sustain your clothes the next morning, your, your, your clothes are six inches longer. Amen. It's like, hallelujah, Lord. Now, nowadays, they don't do that, amen. Now we got to go buy something. But, you know, the Bible says he allowed, he allowed that. He gave his law to instruct his ways and govern their lives. Israel, the people of the Lord, were the people of the law. But they began to wander. And they didn't make it to the promised land. And God let the whole generation die off. And now this new generation just crossed over, and they're going to claim the promised land. But there's some things of the law they didn't do. While they, were, while they were being born and while they were... So I want to look at some steps about leaving the old way, leaving what they just learned, leaving the, uh, the, the, the land of Egypt and getting back to where God wanted them to be. Because before they could claim the land, they had to be God's people again, amen? Even though they were God's people, and we, we'll see more about that in a few moments, but the law said they had to be circumcised, and the, the Bible says that they weren't circumcised. And so I want to think about this, first of all, the first step of being more like the new way instead of the old way is consecration. The first commandment the Lord gave Israel was all the men had to be circumcised. Circumcision was handed down in Abraham. It was a physical sign used to identify all the descendants of Abraham. And it was, it was done eight days old. And then all the men who had been born in Egypt had been circumcised through the Abrahamic covenant. Yet for 40 years it hadn't been taking place. But they had to renew their covenant, amen. They had to get back to where God called them to be. If God wanted to bless them, they had to be God's people. And so Israel was required to remove their bodies, a piece of flesh, as a sign they were the part of God's covenant. We must remove all things of our lives that stand in between us this morning and God, amen. There's a lot of things that stand between us and God. We might not do it physically, but spiritually we need to. The book of Colossians talks about a lot of that. I, I would have given... The information to Kent, but I didn't realize how much scripture I'm going to read this morning. But Colossians chapter 3 says this. He says that ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above which Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. It says, set your affections above the things above, not the things on the earth. For you are dead, the Bible says, your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. The Bible says, mortify or kill these things. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil consciousness, and covetousness, which is adultery. What's he saying? He's saying anything you do, all those things are adultery because they stand between you and a right relationship with God. Now, you say, well, preacher, that, that's hard to do. Amen. The Bible says anything, if you covet after anything, that's adultery. 
Hey, if, if you're unclean, that's adultery. If you're fornicating, that's adultery because it, it's standing between you and a right relationship with God. And then he goes on to say this, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh unto the children of disobedience, in which also walk sometime when we lived in them, but now you also put off these. Anger. You say, well, I don't get angry. How's your road rage? Everybody laughed because nobody, I've seen people, I, I never forget riding with a pastor's wife when I, was a, when I was a young Bible college student, I was riding with a pastor's wife and we were on I-20 and we were going down the road and this person cut her off and she started laying on the horn and doing all kind of crazy stuff. And I don't sing, but I said, let others see Jesus in you. And she said, shut up, Tommy, and she kept on driving. It wasn't my wife, though. I was in Bible college. It was my pastor's wife. But not only anger, but he said this, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. He said, stay away from these things. Stay away from them. And then in 2 Corinthians, he says this, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with the infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will, deliver the, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Bottom line is this, church. If it does not glorify, edify, or help you grow in the Lord, then stay away from it. Amen. I, tell, I used to tell people all the time, and you may disagree with me. If you do, just tell Brother Ken, amen. I used to tell people all the time, if there's something that you have to wait till you get a certain age to do, it's probably not glorifying to God, except for buying a firearm, amen. I'm going to use that. Because you, you, except for buying a firearm, a kid don't have to have a firearm. But if you got to wait to a certain age to partake in it, it probably ain't of God. Amen. It, you know, and I, I'll, I'll say something later about what Paul said. If Paul said this, he said, basically, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything, basically. He said, look here, it may be lawful, but I'm not going to do it. We love, to, we love to argue, especially Baptists. We love to argue about gray areas. We, you know, we, we, we live under grace. Hey, grace don't give you a license to sin, amen? Hey, because we live under grace, we should love Christ and want to be like Christ. But the Jew circumcision was a reminder that they were marked people. They were God's people. The Bible says this in Colossians, Circumcise therefore the foreskins of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. So we, 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 in spiritually speaking, hey, we don't have to have that anymore because we don't live under the law. But spiritually, we have to be circumcised. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took, away, took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Old natures have been judged and condemned, amen, and been bought and paid for through Christ. In Romans it says this, Romans chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He's like, basically, hey, look here. If, if you put it to rest, hey, you've been forgiven. Hey, don't be a license to sin. Hey, don't live in sin. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 11 says, Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Be alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it and the lust thereof. You know, the eternal work of salvation, I'm trying to sum it up in a nutshell, the eternal work of salvation will result in the work of outward sanctification. You hear what I'm saying? What God does in here will affect us out here. And so what do you mean by that? Everything that we do is affected of what we brought in. If you, get, if you bring in trash, what's going to come out? Trash, amen. Hey, if, you, if, you, if you watch this and listen to that, hey, it's all going to come out. Hey, but the eternal work of what God done for us should be an outward work of the way we act, the way we treat, the way, the way we do things. It's so important, hey, to remember. You remember when you first got saved, the things you promised God? You might not have promised God. I, 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 I remember first getting saved. I want to tell everybody about Jesus. Amen. You ever been like that? And, and let's, let's ask the question, you know, how many of us have really told anybody about Jesus? You know, how many, how many has got excited? You know, and I, you know, I, I never forget when I got saved, I, t I want to tell everybody about Jesus. I immediately wanted to be, be, be called. Um, God called me to preach, but I ran from God's call for 12 years, 12 years. You know, but there's a lot of vows, a lot of promises that I made and I broke because I'm just human. But think about this on a, even on a, on, a, on, a, on a different standpoint. Think about when you got married. How many vows and commitments you made to your spouse. You know what's sad, though, is we live in a generation that don't remember any of that. You know, I, I remember my wife a few years ago. She wanted to renew our vows. And I'm thinking, man, I did that 28 years ago now. And I'm thinking... To me, I mean, me, me and you might be like me, some, you know, I just didn't think that was really important because I just, I made that commitment 28 years ago, but to her it was important. But then after we did it, 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 it reminded me of those sacred vows that I took between me and my wife, that, that, I, that I would be with her from sickness and health. And thank the Lord we made that vow because when I almost died with the corona, she was right by my side, Amen. She didn't just kick me to the curb. I thought she was going to cash in my life insurance policy. But she, she was sickness or health for richer or poor. Until death do we part. But how often do we, do we make vows to the Lord that we don't keep? We said, Lord, we're going to do this. Hey, how many of us start in, in January and said we're going to read the whole word of God through in one year? And then by January we don't quit. Because it gets to be a commitment. It gets to be a challenge. But you know what I love about God? He allows U-turns, amen. The Bible says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we see a way to get to the new way, a new life, basically a step of concentration. But number two, in verse eight, we see a step of confirmation. In verse eight, the Bible says this, and it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people, they abode in their place in the camp till they were whole. What do you mean confirmation? Hey, it's confirming that God was going to take care of them. Think about this for a moment. These men were sore. These men could have been attacked at any time, but God was going to take care of them while they were healing. They knew that they were going to, hey, basically they were at God's disposal. Think about it. 
the enemy could have took them, but by faith, they did what God told them to do. Hey, they realized that God sustained them, that God was going to take care of them. As we move through this life, we often face times of testing. You ever been tested? You know, Brother Kent mentioned Job. Job was one of those guys that the devil didn't know he could touch, amen? And, and Job, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's interesting to see how Job, God just put him out there. Basically, the devil was trying to tempt someone. He said, you ever consider my, my servant Job? But he went through trial after trial after trial. But what did he say? My Redeemer liveth, amen. You know, you know do you realize that, that nothing can have to happen to us unless God allows it? There's not a storm. There's not a sickness. There's nothing that can happen to us unless God allows it. You know, and, and so many times when, we, when, when God allows that to happen in our life, we want, we want deliverance immediately. But I wonder sometimes, is God trying to purify us? God trying to get our attention? You know, I, I told you a little bit about my testimony last week about my son when I was in my second year of Bible college, and he, he, um, he had the bird bath fall on his head. But I didn't tell you about, this has been about 17 years ago, I got out of God's will myself. And I tell people God will speak in a small, still voice, or he'll throw you off a roof. I used to run a roofing company, and I forget. And that roofing company, I, I got mad in my second church. You can look at my resume. There's a little space there. It's like, I wonder why there's a space there. I can tell you why there's a space there. I taught the pastor church committee how to look at resumes. There's a space there because I got out of God's will, and I got on the roof, and I, and I had my famous last words. Were, my famous last words was this: "Do not try this at home. I'm a professional." I was two stories up. I fell flat on my back. I broke L1, L2, and T12. I had to wear a body brace for 10 weeks. Why did I have to do that? Because I'm stubborn. And God got my attention. That was a trial that I caused on my own self. But you know, when, when you're God's child, he will get your attention. Amen. Hey, and, and it's so important, hey, that realizing that nothing can happen to us that God will not allow. You think about Noah. Noah built an ark when there wasn't no rain. But Noah and his family got in the ark, and God sustained them. Amen. You think I, I talked about the Hebrew boys last week, Shadrach, Meshach, and Benigo. You think about Daniel and the lion's den. What about Elijah? God fed him with ravens by a brook and with meal and oil from a widow's house. Do you think about Paul? The Bible says that Paul was attacked daily. He had, he had a thorn in his flesh, but God gave him grace to face it. Amen. The Bible says this in Jeremiah chapter 32. I sent it to our pastors and scribe, and it says, O Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by the great power and stretch out our arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. He says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, hey, when you're in God's will, hey, God's going to confirm you. He's going to sustain you. He's going to take care of you. And he allowed trials. He allowed those things. Why? To draw us closer to him. You know, we live in America and we get too, too used to everything. We get too used to all the extra commodities we got. You know, we, we love our cell phones, amen. I quit bringing my cell phone to the pulpit because it aggravates me and it vibrates in my phone, and in my pocket. But you, you think about a cell phone. If our cell phone's not working, what happened? Man, we go crazy, don't we? I, I remember when I was young 
And before cell phones, you could leave the house all day long. And nobody would miss you. The other day, my, my son, we called him. I called him that morning. He never returned my call. And then my wife called him, never returned the call. And then we called everybody in the brothers like, where is my son? They didn't say we didn't know his phone was messed up. We just like, oh my. And, we, and, and then everything starts going. He's like, man, what's going on? But, you know, but we, for some reason, we get, we get so attached to these things. You know, I, I text some of my pastors this morning and say, I'm praying for you. And you know what they said? They said, pray that we have heat at the church. Amen. Hey, how many of us would show up we didn't have heat this morning? But, you know, you think about all these things that we've got used to, then I wonder before they come up with that stuff, how did people even deal with that stuff? But I, I thank God we live in a, in a more modern age. Amen. But I only see a step of concentration, a step of confirmation, but the step of con contemplation. The Bible says this in verse 9, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. If you were to look up the word Gilgal, it means to be rolled. And basically he was rolling off the reproach of Egypt. What was he rolling off? Many of God's children, you think about what was he rolling off, you know, if you think about the several things that they dealt with in, in Exodus chapter 32 when they were wandering around the wilderness, the first thing they did when Moses, remember when Moses went and got the law. When Moses went and got the law, they, they said, he's tarrying up there. He might have died, Aaron. And, and, and you know what's funny, funny is Aaron, he's the priest there and and then he said, he said, everybody just bring all your gold. And then they started the Golden Calf Baptist Church. That caused reproach against the people of Israel. And then not only is it reproach because of the, the Golden Calf, but also because they couldn't let go. They couldn't let go of Egypt. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Both, you know, and, and, and you know, they, and God, both times when they happened, God was going to destroy the nation. But what did he, what did he do? Moses interceded and asked God, hey, don't kill them. But if you look at the word Gilgal right there, that's what's named. It means to roll them away. In other words, the past was no longer an issue. It had been forever rolled away. Many of God's children are still living under the reproach of Egypt. What do you mean by that? You may be living in guilt or shame. Because of something that happened in your life. But you know what I love about contemplation here is once God deals with it, it's dealt with forever. You know, God telling Israel that yesterday is forever gone, that they're, they're to walk looking in potential victory. Hey, the promised land's theirs. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, hey, hey, when, when God forgives you, it's forgiven. You know, but what the devil does, he loves to bring that stuff back up, don't he? He, may, he wants you to live defeated. He wants you to live guilty. Proverbs says this, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoever shall confess his sins, forsaketh them all, shall have mercy. Hey, it's, it's so important to realize, hey, when God says it's done, it's done. We, we live in, a, in an age, and, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, I was raised independent Baptist. And independent Baptists a lot of times will beat people up. If you got something in your life, you're a second-class Christian. Hey, but I find in the Bible, once God forgives us, it's cast from the east from to the west. Amen. And I just thank God that we live, we, live, we, live, we live in a world where our God forgives to the uttermost. 
He'll save you to the uttermost. And, but so many times we've got so many Christians that feel they can't serve God anymore. Hey, let me let you know, brother and sister. Hey, God can use you. God can use you no matter what because God died for you. He died for me. You know, so many times we want to tell people God can't use them no more. Hey, if that was the case, I wouldn't be here this morning. Thank God that he forgive me. He forgave us that God can use us. Hey, don't live in shame. But let me, let me be honest with you. If there is sin in your life, you need to forgive. You didn't ask for forgiveness, amen. You can't get victory over anything you haven't, you haven't repented of. You know, so many people want to live in victory, but they still harbor that sin, that little pet sin, that sin that they, they've been dealing with for years. Hey, you'll never get victory until you give it all to God. Hey, God dealt with the children of Israel. He dealt with us as well. But I was, it was a step of concentration, a step of confirmation, a, a step of comp contemplation. But lastly, the last step was a step of celebration. In verses 10 and in verse 10, it says, that The children of Israel encamped in the Gogol and kept the Passover the 14th day of the month at even the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land and of the morrow after the Passover and leavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Hey, they, in that verse, they began to celebrate the Passover again. And what was the Passover? Remember the Passover? Remember when God brought them out of Egypt? They had to kill a lamb and put over the over the doorpost. And the Bible says that God would pass over judgment then. Amen. And every firstborn of the house was saved, but every firstborn of the Egyptians were killed. And then after that, every year they would hold a Passover meal to remember what God had done for them. But now they're in the promised land. And now they've been circumcised. And if you study out the scripture, there's nowhere that they celebrated the Passover after they got out because they were stiff-necked. They were, but God let them celebrate again the Passover again because they all ready to go. They were celebrating what God was fixing to do. And what I like about the celebration here, when I, when I, when I, give my, when I, when I put my title this, this morning about leaving the old ways, going to new, hey, there was no more old corn there was no more manna they, they they'd have to go every morning and pick it up the bible says but they did eat of the fruit of the land that year what are you saying hey i'm saying hey they're moving on amen they're getting ready to go to the promised land hey there, there, there's so many things that we need to celebrate that god's doing in our life in our church hey god's going to take us to the next level amen hey god's going to bring this church where he wants it but, you know, we've got to be like the children of Israel. We've got to be ready. Hey, we, there's some things in our life that we need to deal with. Hey, if we want God's man, hey, for this church, hey, we've got to be ready for his leadership. Amen. Hey, we got just like when God was calling the children of Israel straight to the promised land, they had to be ready to receive the land. You know, I wonder this morning, are we ready? We say, yeah, we want a new pastor. We want the next pastor. But are we ready? For the next pastor and the next uh, you know that one of my prayers is praying for the next pastor to be ready amen not only y'all but the next pastor and so this morning in closing are you ready to enter your canaan
Are you ready to take the steps that you need to take this morning? Some of us may need to come before the Lord and remove some things in our life. So maybe some things that you need to circumcise, that you need to mortify as the Scripture teaches. Or maybe we need to rely on the Lord more. They relied on the Lord on everything. Or maybe we need to release some things of the past. You know, I, I, I work with, I've been working with churches for almost seven years now, and there's some churches that are held back because of things of the past. They can't let go. They can't get forgiveness. And I don't know if it exists in this church, but I've seen, I've seen people who sit on one side of the church because they're mad at somebody on that side of the church. And they go out a different door because they don't want to face these people. And you know what's sad about it? You should expect that from unbelievers. But from believers, amen, the Bible says we need to forgive one another. Hey, but you see so many churches that are held back because of the past. It may be, and it, most of the time it's a miss, a miss, it, it, it's, it's basically a misconception or a misassumption. I forget this, and I'm just going to tell you the story and I'm going to close. There's a lady in my last church. She had ran the last three preachers off. The preacher before me, when he resigned from the pulpit, she clapped her hands. And she began to sow discord behind my back over something simple. And I tell you what it was. I, I called her. Her husband was getting a pacemaker battery change. I don't know who has a pacemaker in here, but he had a pacemaker battery change. And uh, I called him on a Thursday night. It's supposed to be Friday morning. I said, I said, Wyman, I said, how? I mean, what time is your surgery in the morning? I'd love to be there and pray with you. He said, look here, brother, I do this every so many years. He said, don't worry about being there. He said, it's just a simple procedure. He said, just keep me in your prayers. And so what any good pastor would do is say, let me just pray for you right now. I'm that kind of person. I'll just pray for you right now. If you call me and say, hey, will you pray for me? I'll pray for you right now. I prayed for him, and I left it at that. Needless to say, the next day, this is before I had Facebook, I got a phone call from, the, from several church members that said I was the sorriest pastor they've ever had according to Facebook, because I didn't go through the surgery. And so I got my chairman and deacons together, and I forget, I said, hey, when they come in on Sunday, let's meet with them to see if I can make restitution, reconciliation. And so anyway, they didn't come Sunday morning. Sunday night they did come. And so when they got there, I asked to see them, and, and the chairman and deacons there, and, and him and his wife was there. And, and, I, and, I, and I told her this. I said, I said, if I've offended you in any way, Will you forgive me? And she said, no. I have never had anybody tell me that. And, and 22 years of ministry, I have nobody told me that. And I was brokenhearted. And this is what she said. She said, I've run the last three preachers off, and I'm going to run you off. And I said, well, well God's not told me to leave. And, then, and then, then she began to sow discord continually. And she called me one day, and she said, I tithe $100 a week to this church, and I'm not getting $100 of work out of you a week. And I said, well, bless your heart. I hope you don't tithe through me. Amen. So anyway, it, it went on till, till finally they left the church. And I don't want anybody to leave the church over, over a, mis, 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 I mean, a misconception or a mis, uh, misunderstanding. But six months later, six months later, she come to a revival meeting to our church. And this preacher was preaching on Jacob. He's preaching on Jacob, how Jacob was depressed for 10 years because of an assumption. 
If you remember the assumption that his son Joseph was dead. Remember that the brothers bought the coat of many colors to their father and he assumed that, that Joseph was dead. And then 10 years later when there's family land, then they told his brothers, his brothers told his father that he was alive and he didn't believe it. But for 10 years he was depressed. 10 years he didn't give it up on life because of an assumption. This, this preacher preached this. And though, so there at the revival meeting, they walk out the door. And she hugs my neck. I'm thinking, oh, man, she must have had revival. Amen. But she hugs my neck and she says this. She says, I am so sorry. She said, five pastors before you was my favorite pastor. She said they went camping with us, her and his wife. And, and, and I thought every pastor had to be like them. She said, that's why I run the last three off. She said, I want to apologize to you. You know, I say all that to say this. So many times we let things divide us. And life is short. And God will never bless a church or a person that holds unforgiveness or bitterness or toward another brother or sister. And if we want to be ready for what God has for us, hey, I don't know why God had me share that story, but there may be someone here this morning who's been struggling with that. There may be someone this morning who's, who's been dealing with a root of unforgiveness. You know, but for God to let the children of Israel go to the promised land, they had to be right before him. They did several things last week. They got the 12 stones from memorial, but this week they had to make sure they were right personally. Hey, if God's going to take this church to where it needs to be, we've got to make sure we're right, amen? Because, you know, you heard the old saying, one bad apple will spoil the whole bunch. That's a true saying. I've seen so many churches are held back because of one family, one person. Hey, please don't be that person, amen? Hey, let, let God, let a revival be started in you. And then you spread it throughout the church. Let's pray. Father, we just.